Shalom, and thank you for listening to Beit Zaid Messages. If you enjoy this teaching, consider joining us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. at 465 Lee Highway in Verona, Virginia, for our morning Shabbat services. Or watch the service live stream on YouTube, Facebook, or on our website at beitzaid.org/live. May the Father bless you richly with the hearing of His learning out with Shemot. That is the first uh, reading of the book of Exodus, as I mentioned, but we'll go ahead and enter into prayer uh, before we start today. Avinu Shemayim, our Father in heaven, I thank you so much for your for this time to speak your word, uh, to share of your word today with your congregation, with your people, uh, with all those that are uh, that are reaching out with us and and uh, this morning online. I just ask that you bless everyone with your peace and let your words be a su- uh, sweet tasting in our mouths and in the mouths of all your people, Father, that are listening. And these things I pray to you in Yeshua's name. Amen. And amen. All right. Well, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. So hope everyone had a good week. Um, I know it was challenging last w- night trying to get our, all of our lights back on, but we finally got them. Some mild electrical issues, but we got everything settled. So so if you see a little bags under my eyes, that's why. So bear with me if I stagger some this morning. But all is well. Praise God. Amen. Now, at this time, uh, I briefly wanted to share with you a few points today. So I mentioned this is an opportunity to serve. So we're going to be looking at Moses' life uh, at this particular portion, kind of going back to Abraham's promise or what was told to Abraham from, uh, from the Lord, um, that he, God has not forgotten his people. And that uh, what would happen to his people in the future when um, when Abraham was told this, that there would be slavery and there would be oppression uh, and and so forth, as we see in, in Genesis 15. But with that said, too, the book of Exodus is the second book of the Torah. And the book in the Hebrew tradition, the Jewish tradition, is called Shemot. And that literally means names. And we, I have that on the screen. That's Sinai in the background. That's actually a picture of Mount Sinai. Uh, that that whole range there, Shemot. So that's plural for names. So Shemot is also uh, the name of this particular portion as well, not just the book. It's the thirteenth parsha in the Torah. It's called Exodus in the in the Greek, which means literally departure or exit, because this is was the major one of the major events of the book of Exodus of Shemot. So God hasn't forgotten His people and will judge that that nation who enslaves them. Uh, that is what Abraham said. Um, well, what God said to Abraham, rather. So as we also see, God is setting the stage here uh, hundreds of hundreds of years before the fact of the actual bondage. So we see in Genesis 15, 13 through 14, Adonai said to Avram, so Abram, know this for certain, your descendants will be foreigners in a land that is not theirs. They will be slaves and held in oppression there 400 years. But I will also judge that nation, the one that makes them slaves. Afterwards, they will leave with many possessions. So that's quite a bit in the in the future here, as we could see what the, when the exodus actually occurs. But you can already see this as, a, as something that is still going to be happening. You see the the... the all the footwork being laid out for what is going to occur. Um, and it's really amazing to see that even the, that, that mention of 
afterwards they will leave with many possessions. And we know the Egyptians were dispossessed as well. They were favorable towards the, um, to all the Jewish people uh, with their possessions and gold. It's interesting. Don't forget also that Joseph and his family, many of them stayed there. So the Jewish people actually stayed for quite some time in the land. Um, not everyone uh, went back to Canaan as we see. So we see that also that Egypt was spared. The whole region had famine, not just Egypt, but the whole region was actually spared. And we can really thank God in heaven for that. And that he used uh, Joseph as a mighty uh, tool to warn uh, Pharaoh, to warn of this coming disaster, this seven year famine period that we can actually thank him. Um, and a lot of trade was given. So we see that Egypt was, had gotten wealthier at that time too with riches because uh, food is more valuable than gold when you're starving, of course, and, but et cetera, that sets the groundwork for the empire of Egypt. It becomes quite a bit more powerful uh, during those few hundred years. But as we go, we also see Moses goes to the bush and, and answers God's call. So that's another aspect too. this place is set apart. It's a different place. So it's Mount Horeb. Um, so remember after he fled from, from killing the Egyptian, he went out to Moab. So, or Midian rather, I'm sorry, goodness. Uh, and actually, of course, he married a Midianite. And of course, his father-in-law Jethro was a Midianite priest who actually comes to know the full knowledge of who the God of Israel is, which is pretty amazing. But aside from that, Moses has a very special encounter at this particular moment. And uh, we can actually see in Exodus 3, uh, 3 through 5, Moses said, and this is the discussion he has. Moses said, I am going to go over and see this amazing sight and to find out why this bush is burning. While Adonai saw that he had gone over to see, then God audibly calls to him from the middle of the bush, Moshe, or Moses, Moses, he answered. Here I am, he said. Don't come any closer. Take your sandals off your feet because the place in where you were standing is holy ground. So we also see at this particular moment, he's calling him and he responds, here I am. And in the Hebrew, that's Hineni. So there's a few interesting uh, things to know about Hineni. And I do have a slide for that. So I'm doing a little bit of Hebrew uh, schooling here for you. Hineni literally means here I am or I'm here. And also, according to uh, Dr. Stern, uh, the late Dr. Stern, blessed memory, according to the CJB study Bible, based on this idiom in the Torah for the usage of the word Hineni, it refers also as, I am already here. I am willing to do whatever you wish before you even ask. That's also the idiom usage of this. Also, you see that quick response. There's no, uh, let me consider that when you call for me or I don't know, it was the instant here I am. And that kind of reminds you of uh, when we read in Samuel, uh, the book of Samuel, uh, same response. Hineni, here I am. So with that said, also, it is a very special time. Uh, Moses is told to remove his sandals because the ground on which he was standing was holy ground. And I also have a slide for that. This phrase in Hebrew is Admat Kodesh. Kodesh. So Adamat Kodesh. So Adama is earth, right? Or ground, literally. Doesn't mean land. It means the earth, the ground itself. Kodesh is holy. It's a holy ground. It stresses the area which was set apart with this special encounter. 
This was a very special encounter just for this purpose at Mount Horeb. So it's also going to be later referred to as Mount Sinai, as we can see in the text of the Torah. When Moses saw that burning bush, he turned aside to investigate. Only then did the Holy One of Israel himself reveal himself to Moses. Our problem is that we do not take the time to turn aside and to investigate. So we see that Moses did. He did take the time to investigate. He could have just went, well, it's hot and you could make excuses or, or, or rationalize it away or not go, well, I don't know why it's not burning up, but that's besides the point. I'm busy. I got better things to do, or I'm busy with my own life, doing my own thing. He went to investigate. At that time, he just saw the bush. We all intend to grow spiritually ourselves. We all imagine that one day we will be, we will take the time to study, take time to grow, take time to grow in the Torah, to do a mitzvah, right? To pray regularly. So not just like traditional prayers that we do, but also interpersonal prayers, prayers together, intercessory prayer, personal prayer. That's our goal, right? But you can't take good intentions to the grave. So we can say we want to do things all the time, but do we do them? Do we act when we say we will? So this is actually mentioned in um, in the Avot 2.4 in the Mishnah. And actually a famous rabbi once said, uh, do not say to yourself, when I have more time, I will study the Torah. Perhaps you will have more time. But perhaps you will not have more time, rather. So it's a really good saying. It's just like we're not promised tomorrow. God forbid anything happens to us. But if God has placed something on our hearts to do, we must do it. Um, if he's called us to a life of discipleship in Yeshua, be a disciple. A disciple is someone who learns. Literally, that Talmudim means one who studies, one who learns. We're continually students. We're continually learning. Just like Yeshua's disciples did. Um, no different uh, today. We are continuing to learn and to grow. Uh, we're not a part of this world, obviously, but we're in it. And we have a mission. We can't just say, oh, yeah, I'm going to do some nice things. But let's do them. Part of this, too, I'm really, really pleased with like our women's group. They're doing a food drive. They're feeding the hungry. They're providing sustenance. And that's a mitzvah. That's a good thing to do. It's, it's actually a commandment to feed the hungry, to clothe the sick. Uh, we should be praying for each other, acting, not just reading and studying the Torah, but applying it to our lives in a way that we can applicably do it, to love our neighbor as ourselves, to continue to pursue a life of holiness to continue to seek him. That's one other thing too, just like at Beit Zayed, I can, I could say this myself too. And I think I could speak for the other elders to say that we all love God's word. We love his Torah. We love the Jewish people. We love the whole nation. We love all of God's people. And uh, it's one amazing thing that uh, it's just such amazing ministry. You know, it's, it's happened so organically over time. Uh, God has brought all these people together and we're a community that loves the Torah. We, that, that's why we're, we're here. That's why we're here talking about God's word together. Um, not just talking about it, but we're actually doing something about it, you know, in our lives. We're actually committed to doing good things without, within the community and, and inside our community. And it's really exciting. It's really an exciting thing to be a part of. I'm very honored myself. And, and I know that the, the other elders was very excited as well about what God has been doing in our community.
and our local community too. But with that said too, action is very important. Um, all of us, you don't have to be in leadership to do action. All of us are called for action. All of us are called to pray for each other and to do mitzvah, mitzvah together, uh, to actually follow after the heart of God uh, and to love each other. That's one great thing about community that I absolutely adore. That's another reason I really like the men's meetings as well. Personally, I, I love getting men together. It's just, you don't see it as much nowadays. You just don't, um, you know, and, and I love it. I'm glad the women are meeting too, by the way, that's just amazing. But with that too, when we act, we also have to have to have to have the right heart. And we see that Moshe in this portion had the right heart. He didn't just go on about his day and say, well, the bush was burning. Maybe it was hot, like like I've said, or um, or there was some something else. He went to investigate, and he saw first of all it wasn't burned up, it wasn't consumed. But then God spoke to him, and he also revealed that he was the God of his ancestors. It wasn't just a spiritual voice, you know, of some sort. There was a connection there. It was the God of his ancestors. It was the same God that spoke to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Having a servant's heart. They're going back to Moses here is one that is willing to lay down their own desires or ambitions and to serve the interest of others and particularly our father in heaven. So this goes for all leadership. Uh, if you're in ministry of any sort, you'll notice that too. That's something um, that we try our utmost for is to have a servant's heart, to, to serve the community, to, to be a part of it, uh, to love each other uh, and to grieve with each other and, and delight with each other, you know, but we also should serve leaders. The best leaders throughout history are ones that don't take control uh, or in a sense of what they want necessarily. But what what does God want us to do and what should we do for our father in heaven? What should we do for our neighbor? What do they need? How can I show that love to other people? And God revealed his nature, who he was to Moses. As the God of his father. So he gets to ready to introduce himself here. And, and later on, we see we know more and more about this God, this, this God of Israel that we know that we know will be become the God of Israel um, more officially to the to not just the, the, the family of the promise, but others as well. So God is making himself known to uh, more exclu um, inclusively to others as well. But here we see God reveals himself to Moses. So we see in scriptures here, Exodus 3, 6 through 7. So this is the complete Jewish Bible I'm reading from, from today. It says, I am the God of your father. He continued, the God of Abraham, the God of Yitzhak or Isaac, and the God of Yaakov, Jacob. Moshe covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. God said, I have seen how my people are being oppressed in Egypt and I've heard their cry for release. From their slave masters because I know their pain. It's not that God forgot, but he's affirming his covenant that he made. He knew what was going to happen. Like we mentioned in Genesis 15, he told it to Abraham. Abraham knew what was going to happen. He was setting the stage for a promise to continue the promise, but also to punish idolatry. You'll notice that was one thing that that is despicable in God's sight is idolatry. It's one of the most grievous sins in the Torah. Um, it's, it's, you see it throughout all cultures. Canaan is punished later for its idolatry, but he uses Israel to do it. 
But then we see in, in we also see that miraculously God himself throws out his plagues on Egypt. He's the one doing the punishment, but he also uses people. You'll notice that about God. There's supernatural events, but a lot of times he'll use people supernaturally or to do his will. And that's all goes back to a servant's heart. Are we willing to listen? Are we willing to do what God wants us to do in our own lives, personally, in our families? That's where it starts. And then in our communities. But God sets Moses' mission to go to Pharaoh then. He's willing to follow him. He said, here I am. You didn't even need to ask, like we saw earlier, as if you didn't need to ask. I'm willing to go. Can't speak. And, uh, you know, I don't know what to do. But God made provisions for him every step of the way. Aaron to speak for him, to lead them out of Egypt. As we see in Exodus 3, 10 through 12, it says, Therefore, now come, I will send you to Pharaoh so that you can lead my people, the descendants of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? He replied, I will surely be with you. Your sign that I will have sent you will be that you will have led the people out of Egypt. You will worship God on this mountain. So notice that last little section of that sentence. You will worship God on this mountain. So at this particular time, you see this mountain mentioned. So after they come back, after all is done from the crossing of the Sea of Reeds, the Sea of Suf, after the crossing and the parting of the, of the waters where God fulfills his promise and leads them out of bondage physically and spiritually. He's leading them out of, out of idolatry, away from the gods and the pantheon of Egypt to him. He's bringing his people to himself. But this mountain's significant, Mount Horeb, which we know is Mount Sinai, which is where God gives his Torah to Moses to give to the people. God further reveals himself to other people. Uh, you see that he reveals himself not just to the families of the promise, but now all the people of Israel will hear the word of God now at this point. You can see God's plan in motion for the world coming to the world in the future. But before I get ahead of myself, that could be a message of its own. Choosing the way of God over passing pleasures or consequences of fear, meaning going and doing what God has set us to do, no matter what. So you'll notice there's a lot of opposition today, of course, and you don't need to say that to know that. You can see it. It's very obvious. It's not hidden. Uh, there's so much today that um, that is very sad to see. Uh, spirit of confusion, um, you know, um, division, destruction uh, within the body of Messiah, uh, within the world. Uh, the world doesn't like us even further, especially the conflict with Israel. Um, trying to separate uh, Israel from the minds of the people and the world and the nations all over the world. Um, you see this fracture, but you also see God working in it. We really have to, to, to see that promise. It is happening. You know, a lot of times the enemy is louder than God is a lot of the times, even in our personal lives. We see the calamity, the calamity we remember. We're so easy to to remember the desperations or the, or the horrors of life, but do we remember the joys of life? Do we remember what God wants us to do? That still small voice, you know, just like it was to Moses, 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 you know, it's like, Garrett, Garrett, are you listening? You know, 
I'm the God of Israel. You know, it's important to hear his voice in this world of destruction, this world of oppression uh, of, of believers and of the Jewish people as a nation. But it's amazing that so many people are being awakened at the same time by all these atrocities that have occurred. It's, it's amazing to see God work and act and even people coming to salvation uh, in, in the Gaza Strip even uh, that were Arabs. They're actually coming to Yeshua. They're actually coming to know the God of Israel through Yeshua. They're actually, this is actually happening. You know, and a lot of, there's, it's not always black and white. You know, you see God work and act. And it's amazing to see that. But choosing the way of God over passing pleasures or consequences of fear, meaning going against what God has set us to do, or, or meaning going and doing, rather, what God has set us to do, to do it no matter what. And turning our attention as we're concluding this today to Acts 24. So we see Paul was actually accused of, um, you know, as being a disruptor, you know, just like Yeshua was accused of being a disruptor too. You know, because at that time in the first century, you know, um, Judaism was starting to forget uh, as a whole its calling and purpose. Uh, it was reverting back, unfortunately, at that time. And, and Yeshua and, and the disciples were calling Israel back to righteousness, trying to, 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 to breathe the Torah back into the peoples and, 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 and everyone, uh, the nation itself. He was even weeping over Jerusalem. And he loved Jerusalem still does love Jerusalem, cared so much and still does. But aside, uh, moving to uh, Acts 24, 14 through 16, we see, but this I do admit to you. So this is Paul being accused, and this is what Paul is saying. Um, so if you read the whole account, I do, do suggest that you do. But this I do admit to you. I worship the God of our fathers. So just like what Moses was being said um, you know, I am the God of your fathers. So Paul says, I worship the God of our fathers in accordance with the way. So which they call a sect. So that was a sect of Judaism. The early, the early believers, they were called the way. That's another name. I continue to believe everything that accords with the Torah and everything written in the prophets. And I continue to have a hope in God, which they too accept that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the unrighteous. Indeed, it is because of this that I make a point of always having a clear conscience in both the sight of God and man. So, end quote. So with that, we also see that he's affirming his belief in the Torah, but he's being accused by others that don't understand his intent. They don't understand what he was trying to do. Of course, he's brought to a Roman court at this point, uh, where Felix kind of just... Seemingly washes his hands. He doesn't really have a personal vendetta, as we can see in the text, but he still keeps him imprisoned even after he 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 leaves the area or his his office. But you see, he was also accused for his mission. You know, and Moses was accused. You know, he was mocked. You know, let my people go. And Pharaoh hardened his heart and said, "No, I'm not going to let your people go." Despite the humble nature of of Moses, of course, Pharaoh didn't want to listen to the words that Moses was saying. Um, Moses had a mission. He had a mission uh, from God, and he wasn't—he wasn't concerned about what what his what his past family was saying. Because remember, 
he was in the household of Pharaoh. He knew a lot of these people intimately, even though more than 40 years have passed. He knew it like the back of his hand, but he gave up that life of comfort to follow after him, to follow after the God of Israel. He accepted that calling in his life and he pursued righteousness and he wasn't afraid of being mocked. As we know, too, God had the upper hand as, as the plagues continued. I believe it was after the fourth plague, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that he couldn't, uh, the Egyptian uh, sorcerers couldn't emulate the plagues anymore after that point. So the joke was on them at that point afterwards. It was clear that God had the upper hand. But as we also see in Hebrews 11, uh, 23 through 26, by trusting the parents of Moshe, they hid, um, so by trusting, so this is Moses' parents, hid him for three months after he was born because they saw that he was a beautiful child. And they weren't afraid of the king's decree to, just to kill all the Israelites. By trusting Moshe, after he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He, had cho uh, he chose being mistreated along with God's people rather than enjoying the passing pleasures of sin. He had become, uh, he had come to regard abuse suffer, uh, suffered on behalf of Messiah as greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. And he kept his eyes fixed on the reward. End quote. So we also see that comparison in the writer of Hebrews gives to us in Hebrews 11 that Moses had his gaze on what God wanted, his ultimate goal, despite the mockery, despite the, um, the belittling or whatever would come. He didn't even know what would come, but he, he went, I know that you're real and I'm going to, I'm going to listen to what you say. And that was the most important thing. And that's a good reminder to all of us. It's just like uh, in this world, uh, if you attach yourself to Israel, especially nowadays, if you attach yourself to the Jewish people in any way, the world will hate us. Um, and, and in the Christian world, you know, is, is being mocked uh, for if you follow Yeshua, if you follow Jesus in any way, you know, we're all kind of we're all being lumped in as followers of the God of Israel through Yeshua and ac accusation will occur to the world. And the enemy tries to destroy us uh, from within a lot of the times and even from the outside using other sources. But we must listen to God's voice, come together and, and do the will of Hashem to follow after his precepts and, and, and wanting a desire on our innermost being to follow him and, and to live a life of holiness. In conclusion, the Torah uh, Moses spoke about, one who would come from their own kin. Now, this is much later in Deuteronomy of his kin of, of, of the Jewish people from the Jewish people of his kinsmen to whom they must listen to, as we can see in Deuteronomy 18, this prophet was not only another prophet, but this prophet is the only one, the only one greater than Moses. Moses, we even have a prayer in traditional Judaism uh, that we, um, and that we have in Messianic Judaism, we recognize as well. We, we read, you know, that the Yigdal, and it, um, it's not incorrect to say that Moses was the greatest prophet of all of Israel until until Yeshua came, because they're both very similar. They're both uh, messianic figures. They 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 listen to their father in heaven. They listen they listen to Hashem and follow His will, and they are deliverers. You know, uh, 
Moses led uh, all the people out of Egypt from physical bondage and, our, and spiritual idolatry from the Egyptian pantheon. Yeshua delivered us from a life of sin and allowed us to be able to have a heart of God's tour in us, as we see in Jeremiah 31. That's a promise of the new covenant, that God's ways and precepts are within us. They're on our hearts. Um, so we can't forget. So they both are deliverers. But Moses talks about Yeshua, talks about him being the coming redeemer. And last scripture I have for you is Acts chapter 3, verses 19 through 24, which is a call for repentance we see here. It says, therefore, repent and turn to God so that your sins may be erased, so that the times of refreshing may come from the Lord's presence. And he may send the Messiah appointed in advance for you, that is Yeshua. He has to remain in heaven until the time comes for restoring everything. As God said long ago, when he spoke through the holy prophets, for Moses or Moshe himself said, quoting from the Tanakh, Adonai will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. You are to listen to everything he tells you. Every, everyone who fails to listen to that prophet will be removed from the people and destroyed. Indeed, all the prophets announced these days, starting with Shemuel, so Samuel, and continuing throughout all who followed. So all the prophets after Samuel were calling for that moment, announcing those days that have come. And you always see that repenting, coming back to God. But with all that said, too, it's important to remi- remember in our personal lives uh, from this portion this is a portion about humbling ourselves. You'll notice the Haftor was pretty rough. It was a really rough reading. Um, it was a rebuke that God was having towards um, towards Israel, that the priests were drunken. They weren't they weren't as they normally were in a state of service. Um, it was a temporary moment uh, in Israel's history where God was reminding them to seek holiness. You'll notice, like we read the Isaiah twenty nine. Uh, we see that, you know, that and, and a lot of comments we'll get sometimes on, on YouTube. Uh, a lot of people don't understand. A lot of people don't understand that. My dad reminded me, actually, I believe it was in um, Ezekiel 37, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you know, that God is also returning his people to the land. We see that in our own time. And it wasn't for anyone's righteous sake. It wasn't for their righteous sake. Um, but it was for his namesake, because he said he would. He promised that he would. And that's one amazing thing about our God is that if if we fail on our end of the covenant in any form, whether we failed in the covenant that was given to us by Moses or the covenant that was given to us through Yeshua, Jeremiah 31 talks about. I'm so glad that he doesn't change his mind and revoke the promise of the covenant that he still keeps the promises of the covenant for his great namesake and that he will turn to us just as we saw in Isaiah uh, 29. He will call, he will call for us to, to, to come back to him. He'll, he, he wants us to be with him. Uh, he wants to renew us, to restore us, to redeem us, to, to walk with us. And that's all of us. doesn't matter what background you come from. Uh, it does not. We all serve the God of Israel together. Um, and the amazing thing about that is we have a mission to have a humble heart, a servant, to be leaders in our communities and our families, 
And we have the ability to serve this God who loves us and who wants us to come to him in repentance, um, who wants us to know who he is. And he will show all of Israel, the nation of Israel itself today, the modern state of Israel. We know that one day Messiah will come down from the heavens and all of Israel will see him. And all of Israel will be saved, as it says in the scriptures. Um, it's amazing. And again, I was in Israel too, where it's it's very secular now. But so many people are coming to God at the same time. Like I said earlier, things aren't black and white. God is doing something amazing in Israel right now. And he will in the future. God's great namesake, his name will be glorified over all the earth. And won't it be an amazing day when Messiah comes and that he will rule and reign and bring peace to this world once and for all. And with that said, thank you so much for your time and Shabbat Shalom. Again, thanks for joining us for the Beit Zayit Messages podcast, an extension of Beit Zayit Messianic Congregation, a group of Jews and Gentiles, one in Messiah, currently meeting in Verona, Virginia. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review along with a five-star rating or give us a thumbs up wherever you're listening from. If you're interested in learning more about the Creator and His Word from a Messianic Jewish perspective, check out our website at BeitSaeed.org for helpful resources and more information. Until next time, Shalom.